0: Alright, let's figure out the order I want to do this in. Go ahead and go to Hebrews 11. And put your finger there. And not too far from Hebrews, turn a few pages over to Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. So let me read 1 Peter 1, 12 through 25, and then we'll go back to Hebrews 11 and read a few verses from there. Looks like everybody's made it. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse... I said 12, I meant 13. Excuse me. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each, own, each one's deeds, conduct yourself without fear through the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He has foreknown before the foundation of the world, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, let one another earnestly love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and abiding word of God for all flesh is like grass and all its glory, like the flower of grass, the grass withers, the flower f- fails, falls, but the word of God remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Now, Hebrews 11. Beginning in verse 32. And we'll go ahead and read through 12 3 again, like we did last week. 32 from Hebrews 11. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and De- of David and Samuel and the prophets. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, chapter 12, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Let me pray. Father, take your word. Bring forth the abundance of fruit needed that we might leave today ready to stand, ready to endure, ready to live by faith, ready to live in hope for the sake of Jesus Christ our lord we ask this for his glory for his sake and we need his help in Jesus name amen okay so we are we're finishing up Hebrews 11 today and we're finishing up we're finishing up with the theme of hope As I've said already this morning, with the theme of hope from Advent, the last two weeks we've been talking about faith. It's been very convenient for us because we've been in the chapter of faith in Hebrews 11. uh, But this week as we transition to hope and to the end of this chapter, one thing that we understand and we should see is that just do this on your own one time. Define faith in your own words, and then define hope in your own words, and see if you have trouble. Um, see if you have trouble making them seem different. Faith and hope, as you're going to see, are uh, two sides of the same coin. Now, I don't want to get ahead of us here, but I want us to understand that when we have faith, we have hope. Okay? When we can see. What's coming, when we can see the unseen, it gives us hope. Alright, so last week I just want to remind you of the main takeaway that we had last week as we looked at that huge section in Hebrews 11. And the big takeaway last week was living by faith. Living by faith is living day by day with the eyes of our hearts, With the eyes of our hearts fixed on Christ as our greatest help, our greatest reward, our greatest possession in this life and in the life to come. And that, my friends, is the only life that pleases God. A life lived by faith. A life fixated. Fixated. Almost, I don't want to use the words, obsessed with Christ. That He is what we see. He is what we think about. He is our affections. He is our desires. It is Christ. And that's the only life that pleases God. One that is fixated on His Son. And when you live that sort of life, when you live by faith, you mimic what we see in Hebrews 11. In principle. Maybe not exactly. But in principle. And we won't go through all that we we looked at last week. But now we, we finish the end of 11... And we're going to move into hope. And here's this week's big takeaway. Alright, so I'm going to give you this week's takeaway. And then the path of how we're going to approach this this morning. Three things we're going to look at. Here's what I want you to take away this morning. Hope is the confident expectation in God keeping His promises. Let me say that again. Hope is the confidence or a confident expectation in God keeping His promises. Now, that confidence in God, that confidence in Him keeping His promises drives us to patient obedience regardless of what's going on around us. When we have a confidence in God keeping His promises, we will live a life of patient obedience regardless of circumstances and situations okay that's that's our overall big takeaway this morning and three things that we're going to touch on as we walk through this now this morning isn't just going to be about hebrews 11 it's also going to be about hope it's an advent sermon on hope so we're going to spend some time talking about hope and then come and bring it here in hebrews 11 so these are the three things this morning Number one, understand hope. We want to understand hope in the light of faith, because as I said, they're they're uh, two uh, they uh, two sides of, of the same coin. We're going to understand hope in the light of faith. Number two, we're going to see how uh, how hope will shape our lives. How should hope shape our lives? And number three. We're going to look to see what the fruit is of a hopeful life. And that's what we're going to... That's 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 our desire is that we live lives filled with hope. Hopeful lives. So understand hope in the light of faith. How should hope shape our lives? And what is the fruit of a hopeful life? Alright, number one, understanding hope in the light of faith. Go back to verse 1 of chapter 11. And you're already going to see the connection between faith and hope. I mean, the words are right there, right? Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The confidence of things hoped for. If faith, as we said, is trusting in God, faith is trusting in God that he will keep his promises. Hope is the confidence that you have while you wait on God to fulfill His promise. So, faith is you believe God will do what He says He'll do, right? Hope is being confident and expecting Him to do what He says He will do. It's very, they're very close. They're very similar here. Now, there's one major condition for hope. So it's like, without, if, if a fire doesn't have what, it goes out. If it doesn't have oxygen, it goes out. Well, faith without waiting doesn't exist. Let me say that again. If the condition that you live in, you don't have to wait on anything, then there's no purpose of hope. Does that make sense? Hope only exists when we have to wait for something. Hope isn't necessary when you have what you want in front of you take for example kids all around the world wait and hope for their dad to come home at the end of the day right they're sitting there hour by hour and as the day goes on hoping in eager expectation for dad to come through the doors. Now, we could go on a side note and and we could make examples of why we must hope in God and not in dads because sometimes dads don't come through the door. Sometimes they, they decide to go somewhere else. Sometimes the Lord just takes them away. So we don't put our hope in dads. We put our hope in God. But in our illustration here, dad comes home day by day. And every day the child has hope waiting for dad to come home. But what about Saturday? There's no need of hope for the kid on Saturday because dad's home, right? Hope doesn't exist in that situation. Hope is for the times when you are waiting for the thing to come about. Hope cannot exist when you have what you want. So, the question is Do you have what you want? Do you wake up tomorrow and you're satisfied with what you have in front of you? Or are you hoping for something beyond today or even tomorrow? You're hoping and waiting on what? Jesus. Now, To help us understand hope a little bit better, look at Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 17. Start at 17 and we'll go a few verses in. Romans 8 is a great biblical explanation, verses 17 through 25, on what hope looks like. Look at verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provide we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now look carefully at that last statement. We're heirs with God, provide we suffer with him. There's the now. But what are we waiting for? To be glorified with him. So, suffering now in this life, glorified then in the future, the life to come, there's hope. You suffer with Christ, we hope for glorification with Christ. We wait on Him. Verse 18 For I consider that the suffering of the present time, the now, are not worth comparing the glory that is to be revealed to us, the future, the then. There's hope. The hopefulness of what to come. Verse 19 through 20 makes this point by showing that creation itself is waiting. Creation itself is hopeful for the fulfillment of God's promises. Look at verse 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. What are they doing? Creation is waiting on Christ to return. Verse 23, who else is waiting? And not only creation, but we ourselves. But we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. What are we doing? Groaning together inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. What do you mean the redemption of our bodies? Well, go back up to 20, excuse me, 21. And as creation is explained here, you can also think about your own self in verse 21. Not just creation, but our own bodies Will be set free from its bondage to corruption and to obtain the freedom of the glory. Do you want that? Are you expect are you expecting that? Are you ready for that? To be, re- to be freed from the bondage of corruption? To obtain freedom of the glory of Jesus Christ? This is the hope that we have. This is what we're waiting for. Go back down to 24. For in this hope, we were saved. See, our salvation doesn't stop in our conversion and our baptism. We don't say, I got saved, and that was in the past. We're waiting for our salvation to be complete. We're all incomplete in Christ as human beings. Now, we have been counted as righteous if the blood of Christ covers us. But we as people, as human beings, and you feel it, don't you? You feel the corruption of sin within you. You feel it in the mornings when you wake up not wanting to do what you know you should do. You feel the corruption of sin within you as the person who... Uh, walks by you, gives you that nasty look, or that person at work that's talking bad about you, you you just don't want to just let it go. You feel the sin and the corruption within you. Or when you have to sacrifice for the sake of someone else, you feel that selfish, sinful corruption within you. One day, in Christ, you will never feel that again. Ever. Ever. And I want to tell you to just think about it, but you can't. You can't imagine it, but you meditate on that. Meditate on perfection. Meditate on being freed from the bondage of corruption and sin and being made like Christ. That's hope. That's the hope we have today. It's the hope we have every day. For in this hope we were saved, not hope that is seen. Or now, hope that is seen is not hope, right? If we have it, we don't hope for it. For who hopes in what he sees? But if we have, if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Now, okay. Again, I want to make sure we understand, Christian, Christian. I'm talking to you. If you are in Christ, you have your eyes fixated on the end. It, you have, you have a desire for the end of all things. You have desire to see the Judge come, to see uh, this earth remade you have this what we would call an eschatological view on life you don't live in the here and now but you live now based on what you know is coming and we'll talk more about that in a minute if we truly have hope in god through jesus christ we will be seen people will see you waiting and we will be seen waiting with patience. Now, people won't see you doing this. Looking up in the sky. Where is he? No, no. He will not see you do they will not see you doing that, Christian. If they see you doing that, then you have the wrong expectation. And you have a wrong understanding of what hope drives us to. So here's, we're going to start transitioning into point two. We've been talking about hope in the light of faith. But now we're going to start thinking about how hope shapes our lives. So instead of looking up and just staring in the sky, how does hope actually make us live? Now we're going to connect some dots, okay? You ready for some Bible study? All right. Are you... Are you, in Hebrew, or are you in Romans 8? Look down at verse 25 and see the last... I think it might be the last word in your sentence, or at least it is in mine, of verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Okay. Hang on to that word. Go back to Hebrews chapter 10. At the end of Hebrews chapter 10... And you're, depending on what translation you have, might say different. But verse 36 of Hebrews chapter 10, do you see any similar words in there? For you have need of what? Patience. Patience. Mine says endurance. Endurance, patience, it's the same thing. It's the same Greek word. So Hebrews, um, excuse me, Romans 8, 25 says, those who have hope wait with endurance. Hebrews 10, verse 35 says, we have need of endurance. But what do we need to endure through or in? How should we live? Well, verse 36 tells us in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 10, so that when you have done the will of God, Oh, that's what we should be doing. Not staring off into the space. Not sitting on the couch, flipping the channels, waiting for Jesus to come back. But we should be doing the will of God. So you you say, here's the question. Well, what's the will of God? Well, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and I'll show you. To the left. Just a a few books. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Okay, so we, we're hopeful Christians, and if we're hopeful qu- Christians, we're waiting Christians, and we're waiting in endurance. What are we enduring? What are we doing while we're waiting? We're doing the will of God. What's the will of God? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God. Okay, he's going to be very straightforward with us. For this is the will of God, your will Sanctification, and you're like, well, what's that word mean? It means your holiness, your holiness. And you ask me, well, what's holiness mean? Okay, you ready? One more. We're gonna go one more place. First Peter, chapter one. Same root word. from First Thessalonians four, is found in First Peter verse fifteen. First Peter one verse fifteen. But as he who called you is holy, who's he? God. What's the will of God for your life? Your sanctification, your holiness. What does that look like? But as he who called you, God, is holy, you also. Be holy in all your conduct. Now. Are you waiting for Jesus to come back? Are you enduring as you do the will of God? Are you seeking to be like God in all your conduct? What, is, what does 1 John chapter 1 say? There's No darkness in God. Only light. So what should we be striving for? Light. Righteousness. Goodness. And you're thinking, but what does that look like? Well, look at the beginning of verse 14 in 1 Peter. Obedience. Obedience to what? God. You want to be holy like God? Obey God. Put away your lust. Put away your pride. Put away your selfishness. Love your enemy. Care for the sick. Run away from sexual immorality. You cannot be a Christian and have hope. If you live in disobedience. Now, here's the beauty of it all. Let's go, let's start at 13 in 1 Peter 1. As we're gonna we're gonna finish up this talk on really understanding hope by looking at these few verses real quick. How should hope shape your life? Because that's what I want you to understand: is that if you have hope in the return of Christ, and the completeness of your salvation in His return, then it will drive your life. It will orient your life. Look at verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action. Your version might say, your translation might say, uh, gird the loins of your mind. You want to know what he means? Be ready to put your mind at work. So to gird the loins... Back in the day, they wore long robes. You couldn't fight. You couldn't run. You couldn't do work in those robes. And so in order to prepare to work or to fight, they would have to pull up their robe and tie it up, and it was called girding the loins. So here's what you have to understand. Peter is telling you, Christian, get ready to work your mind your life is going to be lived in action in the mind and then it, he says being sober minded or being sober he says if you're as you're preparing to live your life to go to battle to run a race to to do what you must do in life get your mind ready by doing this Setting your hope in front of you. Set your hope fully. What are we hopeful in? On the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So here's what he wants you to see. Tomorrow, when you wake up, when you're getting prepared... To do whatever it is you're called to do tomorrow. Gird up your loins. Prepare for battle. Whether it's with your toddler, your co-worker. Not that you're going to fight your toddler or your co-worker. But you've got to love them. You've got to be obedient to God as you engage with the world tomorrow. As you love your wife or raise your kids, prepare yourself and do that by reminding yourself of what Jesus is going to do. Set your hope on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus, at the coming of Christ. So when Christ comes, what is this that we're going to receive It is the appearing of the Lord Jesus in all of his glory. You wake up tomorrow morning and you get ready to see Jesus coming in the clouds to judge the living and the dead. He's coming as a bride or a bridegroom for his bride. He's coming and you will see him face to face. And in seeing him face to face, you will be made like him. All that sin no longer remains. All the love will flood to you, sweet intimate, eternal fellowship with God Almighty. Remember that when you have to deal with your co-worker tomorrow. Remember that when you want to act in selfishness this week. All the undeserved, unmerited grace of God being poured out on you through the life, death, resurrection, and ascension and return of Jesus Christ our Lord. All of that, so verse 14, you will be like an obedient child. Not being conformed to this world or your formal passions of your ignorance, but being holy as God who has called you is holy. Holiness in all our conduct. You have to set your hope before you. You have to set Christ before you in order to be motivated and confident, giving you every reason to obey Him. Okay, so the last thing. What is the fruit of a hopeful life? Well, we've already said one, and we don't have to talk about it anymore, and it's what? Obedience. A hopeful life brings obedience, but a hopeful life also brings victory. Start making your way back to Hebrews 11. A hopeful life, a life lived in light of the victory of Jesus Christ. Day by day, we must trust that Christ has already won even when you feel like you cannot or are not winning, Christ was victorious on the cross and in His resurrection. And we know ultimately His victory will be complete when He returns. So here's the hope. In Christ, by faith, You have victory. You're victorious. No matter what the situation or the circumstances. We receive the reward of Christ's victory as we're united to him by faith. We have hope. We have hope that when when we approach the world and Satan, we can approach them with confidence because Christ has already slaughtered them. Is this not what we're reminded of in the beginning of chapter 12? So we're going to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and we're going to run with the race with endurance that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. He's already been victorious, and now we must just look to him. Hope helps us interact against the world, helps us fight against sin and against Satan. Faith and hope shape the way we view the world. Has to. How we see and understand and interact with the world. And this is what we see in Hebrews 11. This last two, These last two chapters in Hebrew, or paragraphs in Hebrews 11. there's something... So go ahead and let's turn our eyes to, to verse 32. And I want you to understand that when we're victorious in Christ, we're victorious regardless of the outcome in life. You might be thinking, you should see my life, Luke. There's nothing victorious about it. But here's the thing. When we have hope in Christ... Again, we share in his victory regardless of the outcome. Sometimes life brings victory in this world. Sometimes. Look at verse 32. Or go, go to 33. So, all these people who, through faith, look what they did they conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises. Stop the mouths of lions. These people had victory in this life. In ways that we could not imagine. In unimaginable ways, these people stood for God, for truth, and God brought them victory by faith. But sometimes, our hope-driven obedience leads us to defeat. Look at verse 36. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in sheep or, or skin of sheep's and goats, destituted, afflicted, mistreated. When we're full of hope. And we find ourselves standing for Christ You will find yourselves In positions of life Where you might be victorious Or you might be defeated You might find yourself Conquering nations Enforcing justice Or you might find yourself being mocked and persecuted But here's the beauty about all this It's win win either way. You defeat a kingdom, you win. You suffer for the sake of Christ, you win. You stop the mouths of lions, you win. You take up your cross and die like Christ, you win. You stand up against your friend who's in an adulterous relationship and you remind them of their baptism. You remind them of their hope in Christ and their need of repentance. And they hate you and run away from you and never speak to you again. You win. Not because you're better, not because you've done something courageous. Courageous but because you've stood for the sake of Christ and righteousness. And you say, well, what if I do something and I die? What if my hopeful obedience leads me to death? Well, then you get to sing with Martin Luther, this body they may kill, but truth abideth still. One little word will fail them. See, our hope is not in this body Our hope is not in this body, but in a body to come. A perfect body. A glorified body that will be raised by Christ to be like Christ when He returns. Look at the end of 11. All of these people who have done all of these things in Hebrews 11, it says in 39, all of these though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So, it's kind of a tough verse, but here's what I want you to draw out of that verse. Just this one thing. You have guys who conquered kingdoms, Stop the mouths of lions, and they did not receive what was promised to them. They had something better. And it's that last word in verse 40. Perfection. To be raised from the dead all of these people in Hebrews 11 will be raised from the dead and be made like Christ. It didn't matter if they conquered kingdoms or were sawn in two. By faith, they had hope that God would raise them from the dead. And you and I have that same thing. It's very possible that all of us will be laid six feet under. If the Lord tarries, that will be true for every one of us. All we must be concerned with is if we live by faith in Christ, doing the will of God, and if that means we're sawn into... Your body will be raised from the dead on the last day. You will see the face of Jesus. You have hope. You have hope that will bring you through. you have hope like Stephen when he is being stoned to death and he sees the Lord Jesus in heaven and says, Father, forgive them. He had hope. Now, just to finish, I want you to think about our hope and victory in Christ. When Paul writes to the Corinthians, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ i want you i want to i hope that you're more scared of sin than you are of death because death is just the consequence of sin but what what hope do we have what is the fruit of our hope that we can remain steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord our labor is not in vain because Christ has been victorious and we hope in Him. We live our lives in hope with joy, patience, and prayer. Romans 12 says, Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And this is the fruitful life of a hopeful life. Joy, patience, and constant in prayer. So as we come to the table this, this morning, this is a representation of our hope. This isn't just, isn't it just bread and, and juice. This is our hope. This is is a representation of what Christ has done and what He will do. Coming to the table is a representation that we share in hope of Christ together. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread... We who are many are one body, for we all partake of that one bread. And as we partake together, we remember the first advent, and we look forward to the hope together in a second advent. As long as we eat this meal, as long as we partake of this bread and this cup, our hope is renewed. Because it is a reminder that for as long and as often as we eat and drink, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Now, we come to the table in Christ, in the body of Christ. This table is for believers only. For those who have united themselves to Him by faith, And has expressed that in baptism. And so that table, this table is open to all who that fits. Who have found hope in Jesus. In his death, his burial, and his resurrection. We come as the body of Christ. And so this morning, I want you to understand that this table is closed to to believers only. But Christ is open to all who will confess their sin And turn to Him by faith. And if that is something that you have within your heart a desire for. Then talk to me later this morning. Let me know what's going on. But as of this moment. I invite the body of Christ to come to Christ. To remember your hope. To see by faith that one day He will Return. Brother Dan.